Hey everyone, this is Amos for Just Being Amos Podcast. I have Terrence Rosemore with me once again. And we're going to talk about San Diego Comic Con and his experience in it. And also we're going to talk about Guardian of the Galaxy Volume 2. And also talk about up and coming projects that he got coming up. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Hey everyone, this is Amos for Just Being Amos Podcast. Today I have um, Terrence Rosemore once again. Welcome back, Terrence. Hey man, pleasure to be here. Great, great, great. So I think we talked about two months ago. About that. About two months, right. And we were just talking about what was your projects, you were doing everything. Now most recently you just finished up Guardian of the Galaxy Volume 2. Correct. And you were telling me that you was going to a con. you you never been to a con before. No, I've never been. And I told you my experience in cons and stuff like that. As a fan, I really loved them. So, um, you went to the San Diego Comic Con. Yes, I did. Well, it's San Diego Comic Con International, what they say, what it is. Okay. But to me, the San Diego Comic Con. Now, tell me, this was your first one, and tell me, what was the experience like? Well, my experience was different from the average person, because to be honest with you, I never got on the floor of the convention center. I, I came in on a Thursday, we had a rehearsal Friday, and then we were in Hall H, which is where everybody does all the big reveals on Saturday. Right. And then I flew out like early Sunday morning. So uh, the way our schedule was, um, I didn't get an opportunity to actually go on to the convention floor. But I was in Hall H, and we did a presentation. You know, we had a whole uh, act and skit and thing that we did uh, that was, you know, pretty cool. But um, just the, the buzz of being in the city. I used to live in San Diego before I moved to L.A. Okay. So when I first moved to California in 2001, I lived, you know, so San Diego is one of my favorite cities in America, most beautiful. But um, the energy in the hotel and the surrounding areas was like the Super Bowl. Okay. You know, I call it the nerd Super Bowl. Right. right. Because it was just like, you know, and uh, it was interesting, man, because I'd, um, I'd always been curious to uh, go to one. But to be there and to be with Marvel and to be doing what we were doing, with you know, associated with the, the Guardians uh, franchise, that was pretty cool, man. So we, I didn't have the typical experience that one might have. You know, we had people picking us up and bringing us places, and we had a very defined schedule of, of rehearsals and makeup and then, you know, All right. doing the thing. So, Would you think, would you ever um, go as a fan I'd love to, man. I'd, I'd love to go. You know, um, I, I wish I could, like I said, if I'd have had my choice, um, all of us, none of us a- actually got a chance to go. Um, you know, none of the guys that was in my group, the Ravagers. Right. We um, we had a very tight schedule. A lot of the guys either drove down or were bussed from uh, L.A. I was flew in from New Orleans, and um, I came in a day before those guys because I think I got in Thursday. They got in Friday afternoon. And so um, it was a working trip. Right. No, it wasn't like a vacation. But with the atmosphere, though, man, all those fans, the cosplaying and stuff like that, I know you've seen some people oh, cosplay. Absolutely. I, oh, yeah, man, I got, I got some footage, man. We, uh, like, the the Friday night, we had a 9 to 10 o'clock rehearsal, which ended up going almost to midnight. But uh, on our way driving to the uh, convention center from the hotel, I think we had to, we left the hotel at about 8. And so, um, you know, we, we must have got to the convention center by the, uh, about 8.30. And on our way in, you know, they brought us to the, the back where all of the, you know, you had all your black town cars and limos with all the VIPs and with all the, you know, the stars from other shows, you know, you'd enter through the back. And on our way to our rehearsal at 8.30, there was a line of people about four or five blocks waiting to get in Hall H. Wow. Which didn't open until maybe 8, 9 o'clock the next morning. Really? And everyone who was in line wasn't guaranteed that they were going to get in. Because it's first come, first I heard serve. stories about Hall H, man. Is it gets so crowded, man. You know, people wait. Like you said, wait days in advance, even at the, on Hall H. That's crazy. It, it is, man. But, you know, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, when we got in and we did our thing Saturday night, and what happened was they were, uh, while they were looking at a... Uh, 
um, a reel, a, a clip, a trailer from Doctor Strange, they snuck us in to the back of the auditorium because we didn't want them to see us, the Ravagers. Right. And so they hit us behind these curtains, and it was like it was like a rock star. The whole uh, presentation of the of all of the different acts. Right. Now I think Kevin Smith was after us, and I don't know who was before us. Right. On that day, but I, I from what I heard, Star Wars last year turned it out. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they closed it down. They shut it down. They shut it down. So yeah. everything that we did was to try to match or top that. Well, you got to understand both products are Disney products. So, I mean, you got to outdo the other product, you know. Absolutely. And I, I think what it is, man, it's just like, you know, like you said, they're both Disney products. So, they're trying to bring it to the next level. And last year, if if it's correct, if I'm correct, rather, Marvel was didn't have a presence in Hall H. Yeah, I remember reading about that. Um, mostly, it was mostly the DC stuff. And it was also um, more other products. But, I know, when I saw the trailers... Mm-hmm. For the um, Marvel product, like they had Netflix um, shows like Luke Cage, mm-hmm. Iron Fist. Um, what else? The uh, um, teaser for the Defenders. I mean, Marvel man, right now, man, Disney and Marvel is running on cloud nine. I mean, really, they are really doing uh, big things. I mean, they run, they running the game right now. Everybody playing, trying to catch up to them. Yeah, they really are, man. Nothing against DC, man, because I, like I said, I saw the trailers. For DC, Wonder Woman, and on uh, the Justice League, mm-hmm. and I mean, I really enjoyed the trailers, man. I can't wait to watch Wonder Woman. Right, right. But as I said before, Marvel didn't really have uh, any trailers for their movies. On, I think Doctor Strange was the only one. Right. You know, and um, I'm about to give you another question about that. They had all you guys on the stage. Right. And I saw the footage, man. I'm like, wow, they got people from Black Panther, mm-hmm. the Guardians, right. Doctor Strange, and they announced. Captain Marvel, the same time. Yeah, yeah. Damn. (laughs) It was. I tell you what, bro. um, It was a who's who. I can't even count how many Oscar nominations and Emmy nominations that was on that stage. I I totally agree. You know, and it was a trip because you know I knew these people were going to be there because I knew what the um, you know what the lineup was, but it didn't dawn on me until after I left the stage. Because while we're on stage, we're still on character. You know, we're acting like ravages. Right, right, right. And if you can, if you, you look on the footage, I'm next to Zoe Saldano. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're just joking and clowning and whatever. And, and, and you know, Marvel really is a family. And so I'd heard that and I experienced that when we shot uh, Guardians. You know, I felt it was, it was a family, but it was even more so, um, you know, apparent that moment on stage with all those people and if you look at the energy nobody look like you know because a lot of times man actors don't like to do promotional stuff you know you're not getting paid your acting rate you know they'll give you something but it ain't your regular rate well, you know it seemed like to me y'all guys really having fun we did man and like I said man that's like you know you're talking about four or five projects represented right on that stage man and so myself and Denai Gurrier who, uh, who plays um, on Walking Dead Oh, yeah, she's on Michonne. Michonne. We worked on uh, Treme, which I didn't work, I've never worked with her in the same scenes, but we, you know, for three years, we were on the same show, and we never got to meet each other. When you finally met. Yeah, we broke bread. Uh, uh, As a matter of fact, right after we came off stage of doing our Ravager thing, no, uh, yeah, yeah, because when they were actually doing the Q&A with the cast of, uh, of, of Guardians, we went backstage, and we were hanging out with Chadwick, Lapita and Young Ye. Wow. And, and I, well, I shouldn't say hanging out, but they were sitting right behind us. Right. And so, uh, you know, here's uh, Viggo Martinson, right? You know, you can reach out and touch him. Um, here's the, the entire cast of Spider-Man. I forgot like, about that. Spider-Man Homecoming. That's yeah, right. Absolutely, man. And so, um, it was a trip because each each little unit has their own little family dynamic, but some of it is crossed over from the people from Disney and Marvel, the executives and the people that work for Marvel and Disney. And so um, it just goes to show you um, they have a consistent um, you know, thread of this family feeling. And that's what I felt, man. When I came in on the, you know, working on Guardians, most of the people, most of the crew had worked on you know, several uh, Marvel movies. Right. And so, and then most of the actors, a lot of the actors, rather, had worked with James before. Yeah, that's another question I want to ask you about. 
James Gunn seems like a cool guy, man. I he mean, really, he like really he's is. really into his work. He is. He loves this, man. And that, that enthusiasm is contagious. And so he knows exactly what he wants. I mean, we're doing a lot of difficult stuff that requires special effects. And so he's got all these guys on, you know, he's got like a whole team of techs. Right. And so everything is thought out as, as, as difficult as these moves and these shots are, man. Um, we're not wasting a lot of time tweaking stuff. It's, you know, they know. Now, we'll do a lot of takes because it's, you know, they, they want it to, um, you know, they want it to be, to be good, but it's not technical stuff, you know. And so we're just doing it, and he knows exactly what he wants. But what I like about James is he let me go, man. You right. Know, he, I mean, I, I had no lines literally written in the script. But I've got a bunch of, you know, I'm saying and doing a bunch of stuff. And um, so I thought that was cool because I was just happy to be there, man. You know, I was like, all right, cool. I'll show up and be menacing. Yeah, because, you know, the interviews and just the interaction with the cast that James Gunn have with him, you know, like the guy's really having fun. And he's, I think he's a, he's a comic book fan. He is. He, yeah, I mean, he's legit. He's not someone. What I've is. seen and what I read. Yeah. I mean, and then, you, you know, he started with trauma, man. That's right. So you're doing that kind of stuff. You know, it's um, it's almost kind of like if you were working for um, Roger Corman or Ed Wood in the 50s. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, these cats just love it. And regardless of budget, you know, Troma, they didn't have $100 million budgets when uh, when he was doing the Toxic Avenger and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I love guys like that who just have a, uh, a real organic love and passion for the art of storytelling. Because when you're talking about comic books and films, music, all, all pop culture really is is storytelling. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And like you said, with, with James, even Josh Whedon with the Avengers, man, he's he's a good storyteller. And he also is a comic book um, guy. Like I said, he wrote he written um, books for Marvel, Astonishing X-Men. And you know, he's, he's written Buffy mm-hmm. for Dark Horse. And I think right now he's doing something for Dark Horse now. I'm not for sure. I think he kind of announced it at San Diego Comic-Con. But when you have directors who, directors, yeah, excuse me, there's someone trying to call me on my phone. <laughs> um, you have directors who really have the passion for it, and that makes a whole lot of difference. Uh, I'm gonna tell you, man, it starts at the top. You know, I've I've been, I've been in the game, I've been in the entertainment industry for 27 years. I've been in front of the camera and behind the camera. I probably have over 150 credits. You know, I've done a little bit of everything on a set, and the one thing that I've learned, and the same thing with sports or corporate or educational, any kind of entity where you have a team of people, um, it starts at the top. So Kevin Feige, um, he he understands the the uh the fan base, the original fan base from right. from the comic books. And so he um he understands that and he he makes sure that uh you know all the projects that they have are um, are true to the essence of what the the original fan base of the, uh, the the comics. You know, in other words, they're not a they don't have a large presence, right? As far as numbers, but they're very influential in their opinion, and so they listen. And I, I think that's smart because uh, when you piss the fanboys off. <laughs> You know, before you, you saw what happened with Fantastic Four, man. Oh my goodness, man, that was a shit bomb. I'm sorry, that, I'm but sorry. but I mean, even before the movie came out, people were saying it was going to be that. And what happened was some casting choices, uh, you know, certain story elements got out, and uh, you know, you guys were, uh, you know, y'all y'all voiced your displeasure. Yeah, I mean, I really wasn't. I knew they did the third Fantastic Four movie, that uh, kind of the reboot. I mean, I, I remember the, the other two. I really didn't care much for the last one they did before they did this one right here. And I told a friend, I said, look here, man, this movie's not going to be any good. And what happened? It, dro- it, bombed. it bombed. I saw it, and it was just like, and, you know, um, I remember there, there's, there's been some stories that, uh, you know, they took it from the director. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah, because it just seemed like it was cobbled together. You know, and uh, he was he wasn't happy about the the final cut, but uh, but yeah, man. So you know, that's one thing about Marvel, man. When they when they pick their directors, they basically, you know, there's there's a template and there's there's a a world that they have created. But once they everybody's on the same page in general, 
they get out of the way of the creators and they let them do what they do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, another question: um, Would you consider going? Uh, would you consider working again with Marvel if they call you again? The question is: Would they consider working with me? Yeah, right. Okay. I <laughs> mean, dude. I saying? mean, working with Marvel is like a nice gig. I mean, Marvel in this, not Marvel Fox or Marvel Sony, but it's Marvel and Disney. Yeah, they're first class, man. I, I, you know, I've been blessed all throughout my career to work with. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, either classic projects or, um, you know, classic projects or either uh, classic, you know, actors and stuff. And so, uh, you know, that's I've, I've been blessed. So um, a lot of what I've uh, been working on has been um, really, uh, you know, top flight talent uh, in front and behind the camera. So I've, I've just kind of like, I don't pick the projects. The, the projects pick me. So okay. I've been really blessed on that level. Now I've seen the makeup you had, man. The makeup. How long did it take you to get that on? How long did it take? It didn't take long at all, man, because I didn't have prosthetics. A lot of people had, um, you know, had to get in. They have three, four hours of uh, makeup. Really? Yeah, my makeup was maybe forty-five minutes at tops because I didn't have any prosthetics. Uh, I had some scars uh-huh. and some dirt, and so um, you know that was pretty easy. And my hair was, you know, I, I cut my own hair for the most part. And, and I, I'm, I'm, all my actors out there, man, if you can get as ready as you can, right? your own, the, the makeup and the hair people will love you. But, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man. Because, you know, a lot of times, especially if we got a, a, a say we got a, a whole, you know, roster of Ravagers in. Right. So you're talking about the main Ravagers. There's 12 of us, including uh, Rooker. Uh-huh. And then the extras, you know, sometimes we have 50, 60, 70 extras. All with this makeup. Now, of course, you had an additional staff you know, when you had these big days. But uh, what happens is you got so many moving parts. So whatever hair choice I made, anything I can do to maintain it, I do it, and they appreciate it. Oh, that sounds good, man. And um, Another question is, how long did it take, um, I mean, well, how long did it take everybody else to get the thing together as far as when y'all did the whole um, skit on the stage? How long did that take for that day of? Um, I don't know, man. We we had a rehearsal the night before, and the rehearsal was supposed to go from nine to ten, and we ended up going to like eleven because you know they just had a bunch of uh, moving parts. You had smoke, you had video, you had you know just a bunch of stuff. So we ran through it three times, and it's funny because each time we ran through it, what they told us to do was different because we had three different people, kind of like one person. Well, this is what we're gonna do, and we did it that way, and then you know. We'd hang out for a while, then somebody else would come on and say, hey, guys, so this is what we're doing now. I was like, wait, <laughs> they told us, yeah, but now we're doing this. And then the third time we did it, we did something totally, completely different. So some of the guys were like, man, what the heck, what are we going to do? And, you know, I was kind of like, look, man, because I come from improv. You know? Right, right. And so I said, look, man, we, we, we are who we are. We know what we've got to do. And I think, you know, the, a lot of the changes was coming from just they were getting notes because we had all the Disney execs and, you know, they, they fine-tuning and they, they, you know, they... This is this is their, their their thing, you know. This is big to them. This so we just said, hey man, let's relax and go with the flow, right? And it was perfect. Yo, so another question is that um, how is this like working with Michael Rooker, man? Because yeah, I remember him in Walking Dead, man. As Merle, as Merle, he was a, he was a son of a bitch in Walking Dead. What you, what you see is what you get, man. Rooker's I think Rooker's like sixty one years old, man. But he has really, he's, he's seen like he, he got a young heart, man. He, he does, he does. Yeah, like, Rooker, he's a six year old in a sixty one year old body. Yeah, you got much fun, man. Much fun keeps it real. I tell you what, man. Most you know most of my scenes were with Rooker. Um, and the thing about Rooker is that usually when we're shooting with Rooker, he's the top dog, you know. But he's so giving. And uh, he's so open, and he's also playful. He keeps it lively, but he's also focused. Right. And so Rooker's kind of like, even though he's all over the place, he has this zen-like uh, calmness about him, you know, when we depending on what we're doing and, and what he's into it. But Rooker's the kind of cat who leads by example. So, right. I'm a, you know, when I, when I get an opportunity to work with Rooker and I get to work with uh, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson and people like this, I'm in school, bro. You know, I'm sitting and I'm watching. I'm observing. Right. Right. I'm watching what they eat for lunch, how they eat lunch. I'm serious because all of this stuff is is uh, you, you know their approach and how they do all of these things. It feeds into how um, how smoothly things go. So um, I'm just peeping out Rooker's demeanor 
And we had, you know, especially on the days when we had like a hundred extras. And so everybody, you know, wants to be funny and wants to, you know, be be cool with them. Or, you know, everybody's taking shots to let to say, hey, look at me or whatever. Um, and, and to be honest with you, man, the, the extras here in Georgia, man, they're really, really cool, very professional. But um, Rooker just has this, you know, as lively as he is, a live wire as he is. Right. He he has this, you know, it's almost kind of like those arrows that he controls. Oh, yeah. He, <laughs> he controls the vibe like that, man, you know. Just, just from his presence. Yeah, I, I remember some movies he's been in. Man, he's been in some couple of movies with James Gunn, a Super, yep, a Slither, I think. Yep, also. yep Slither. Yep. So the Jacket James Gunn and Rooker guys are a great relationship. You know, they're, they're, you know, they, I could say they're almost best friends, right? Because uh, that's that's the vibe I get from them, and they, you know, they hang out uh, when they're not shooting in between. Like you said, man, they've done what three projects? I know for sure. Yeah, that I know of. Yeah, exactly, and I do too. Maybe, maybe four. There's a, maybe there's something I'm forgetting, but uh, man, this damn fly getting on my nerves. I'm sorry, <laughs> no, <it's all> good. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, they um, you know, they 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 have a, and that's it's cool because that's the kind of relationship I have with the people that I make films with, right? You know, it's, it's my friends, and we also work together, and it's a short hand. Oh, that's cool. And another question is, um, since you were so busy with your schedule, man, because we last time we talked, we talked about television and everything like that. What's the last thing that you've really been watching? What's, what's on your watch list? Because I know you've been had a busy schedule or whatever. Right, right, right. Shooting Guardians, you got this and that. But during your right. downtime, man, what do you like actually watch? I hate to admit it, my guilty pleasure has been YouTube. Really? Yeah, because, like you said, because of my schedule, I haven't, I like to, I like to, when I watch stuff, man, I like to get into it. Right. And, and, you know, I kind of binge watch stuff when I've got the time. And so the last couple of months, um, I've just I've been doing a lot of writing, right? In my downtime, and plus I was as soon as I wrapped, the day after I wrapped Guardians, I had to go. Uh, I had to drive to New Orleans the next day and go do another film called Plaquemines. I got. I think the interview you just finished my first interview with you. You just finished up Guardians again. That was two months ago. Yeah, yeah, and two so, or three months. ago. So right after that, I jumped into this other movie, right? And then also do voiceover stuff. Like I said, I'm writing. I teach. Um, so, so my, my guilty pleasure, cause at the, you know, at the end of the day, man, when I'm kind of winding down and I've, you know, had, uh, and I'm constantly auditioning for stuff and auditions will come at the last minute. I'll say, okay, I'm off today. I go get a glass of wine. All of a sudden my email ping, you know, four or five right. o'clock, I got something that's got to be put on tape for tomorrow. Ah. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like that. But, um, I had been randomly just watching, uh, YouTube videos and it just depends man I was watching some nature stuff right and then I was watching people fight back like people breaking into people's houses and their dogs <laughs> attack you know <laughs> I was watching the DNC the RNC oh man I, I try yeah. not to watch all that um, stuff I mean I... yeah cause I'm gonna tell you man it, it, what I've been watching really hasn't been anything of substance uh, I've been watching like car shows um, you, you know, food, just stuff that just kind of like I'm I'm winding down, right, right? And I'm not, I don't have to be invested in it. Like if you're watching Breaking Bad, or if you're watching, uh, I tell you what, I did like um, Fear the Walking Dead. Really, I didn't like the first season, first half. Of the I season. didn't really want to watch the first season. I stopped watching it all. I'm, I'm gonna tell you what made me watch the second season. Um, a good friend of mine who actually was she she worked. I worked with a lot on Triple Nine, right, um, right, Michelle. Um, Michelle, she played the Asian woman that was on the plane in those oh, interstitials. The, oh, Mimi. Mi- yeah, oh, yeah. her. Yeah, yeah. She about the one they were doing from, it was like five five minutes. Yep, yep. Those shorts. And then the second season, they ended up getting incorporated into the larger story. See, I didn't know that. So I'm going to tell you, well, I'm, I don't want to, spoiler alert. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I might so, end up watching it. So, so those, those interstitials, she was just on those, and she wasn't on the first season of Fear the Walking Dead. And so now they, uh, you know, the, the plane crashed. And so she's one of the survivors. Oh, okay. And she ends up getting put on a boat with some of the people from the first season. And her scenes and her, her little storyline, you know, might have been a three-episode arc. But it was like, that. that's when I got invested. So, you know, kind of like, okay, that's my girl. Um, and she didn't even tell me that she was going to be in it. No, if they ask for an audition, a casting call, would you go like to one of the Walking Dead's? Oh, I've, I've auditioned for Walking Dead maybe about five or six times. Man. Oh, really? Yeah, um, and I could even tell you some of the things that um, you know. The, the I'd have to look in my files, but uh, yeah, no, I've auditioned for them about four or five times, 
and it's just a matter of time. I'm gonna get on it. I uh, mean, you should. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. yeah. See, like, the thing is, man, I'm at a, I'm at a level where you know um the the most uh you know most of the the, the cool stuff that I've done, I should say, high profile stuff I've done, has really been in the last year. Last year. And All so right. really, it's a cumulative uh thing where you know they say, okay, this is the guy in this and this and this and this. And of course, when Guardians come out, you know. You know, it's a no-brainer for people to say, "Hey, man, you know, we, we want him." Right. You know, well, that's my another question. And since you've been you in Guardians now, I mean, that could open doors for other things for you. It, it'll. I tell, I tell you what, for the for the casting people yeah. who know that, yeah. But until the movie actually come out, that's right. when you really you know reap the benefits of being in because they can actually see you and say, "Oh my God, he's," you know, and and, and even the movies like I did a couple of um, movies, uh, you know, since I, Guardians. Oh, and, I, and I shot something last summer, so people were saying, "Hey, man, can we say you in Guardians?" So everybody want to tag on, right, right, to right, Guardians. Right. And um, I, I was Thursday night. I was on Sci Fi Channel on uh, Shark Ozark Sharks, and it was this little you know two day shoot thing that I did, but it was really really cool, man. Yo, you got the little Sci Fi man with Sharknado, man. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like Sharknado Four. Four, yeah, right. Four, like damn, that, this and, thing is really. And, and see again, man, that crazy. goes back to that that uh, that Ed Wood. That uh, you know, Trauma Studios thing, man, where they just kind of like they 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 uh, you know they're just creating this fun stuff. It's entertainment. That's right. It's nothing serious. It's all fun. And you know it's corny at Absolutely. the same time. And they're but, winking at you. And they know it's corny. Yeah, they know it's corny. But I mean, you don't you don't. Man, it's fucking. I'm man, guys. I'm, I, I went to my, my my family and I went to a outdoor screening of Shark. Uh, Ozark Shark in New Orleans, right? About two or three weeks ago, and they had a they had a screen, inflatable screen on the bayou, and they actually had the the uh, electronic shark fin that they used in the movie. This is the first time that they have a, it was basically like a miniature submarine with a shark fin attached. Really? So it's the first time that somebody's actually created for a shark movie something that they don't have CGI or, or the, like you know you know the stories what happened with the original Jaws, and so. We went to the screening, man, and people loved it. It reminded me of the seventies, black exploitation. Right. People were yelling at the screen and laughing and making fun of the characters, and and it was written and it was directed and it was created for that purpose. And so they, you know, they totally embraced what it was, which was fun. You know, they weren't trying to say, "Hey, you know, this is going to be an Oscar <laughs> <laughs> nominee for best foreign <laughs> film," you know. Yes, um, the other day I was looking through the Entertainment Weekly. Uh, matter of fact, it was not this week. It was last week, Entertainment Weekly, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they had a San Diego Comic Con exclusive and special cover, whatever. Well, it might have been... Oh, I'm sorry. It was this past. It was this latest Entertainment Weekly that that had um, Screen Queens on there. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a season two. Yep. It's actually going to be a season two. Yeah. So if they make that call one more time, would you be able... Would you? Do it again? Oh, absolutely. As the judge, I'm, I'm, I'm at a point, man, where I'm I'm not in a position to pick and choose stuff, you know. And because um, when I saw it, I said, I thought of Terrence, man, they got season two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, you know, again, man, these cats, the the writers and creators of these shows, they're so busy trying to break these stories and you know coordinate all of this shooting. I don't think they're saying, hey, man, you know, that guy Terrence was so great and so cool last time. Let's find a, a you know. Um, I think what happens um, is that as they come to the story, like, hey, you know, that'd be cool to bring this guy back. Right. And so, so my thing, you never know when you're going to come back. So what I do is I just come in, man. I'm professional. Know my lines. Come there on time. Good morning. Thank you. Please. You know, just basically treat people the way I like to be treated. Mm-hmm. It, it's really that simple. And and, uh, and and that goes a long, long way, man. Because a lot of these people, the uh, you know, Hollywood is about two degrees of separation. Even with them shooting in Atlanta and being based in, in uh, L.A., man, I, I'm meeting people who I've worked with in L.A. I'm meeting people who I've worked with in New Orleans. When I'm in New Orleans, I work with people I met in Atlanta. You know, when I go on the East Coast, you know, same thing. So um, I, I just, you know, I just show up, man, and, and be ready to roll. And I let the chips fall where they may because I have no control over who's going to call me. I put it in the air, man. I'd love to come back, in a, you know, in any capacity. Right. Um, but I, I've already put it in my mind because I don't think Walking Dead is going nowhere anytime soon. So I'm uh, like, I don't think so either, man. So I'm like, I'm going to be 
I'm, I'm going to be on uh, an episode or uh, a couple of episodes before it's over. Have you ever considered reading some of the hardcovers of Walking Dead, the graphic novels? That got I, going I did. I wrote, I actually, as a matter of fact, I got, I had the first one, <clears throat> excuse me, and then I had like 48 through 50 something. Okay. And I kind of read them just because, you know, they were available. Right. Look, man, when I, growing, I'm, I made 52 yesterday. Growing up, I did not collect comic books. I collected Mad and Crack. Yeah, I remember you were telling me that. Yes. And right. I, yeah, I remember that. And like I was telling you, I collect comic books for a while. But like I said, when I got older, I didn't collect anymore. I've spent $300 on comic books in the last three weeks. Really? You got me beat. <laughs> you got me beat, man. Because I tell you what, man. I, um, see, like you're saying, what are you into, man? I'm into the hip-hop uh, family tree. Did you see the did you see the hip hop covers Marvel did? Yep, exactly. You, I saw you picked them up. A yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the um, DMX blood and what is it? Blood and blood. No, the DMX cover when he's all covered in blood. Okay, well, it's Wolverine. Then I have yeah. another one, Doctor Strange to Chronic. Yep. You know, yep. I mean, I, I think it's kind of cool they did the hip hop variants for the um, comic books and everything like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I also had a tribe called Quest. One with that with Spider Man cover. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, man, I, I see what you're saying. But, I mean, I try to stay away from the variants, man, because the variants get very costly. You know, I, like right. I said, I've been collecting comics for a while, and I get it. I mean, you're mm-hmm. trying to get an audience. Absolutely. And the thing is, I mean, I just want to read the, 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 the content. I want to read it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I like the art style and everything, but sometimes I'm not going to try to spend $20 for one book right. for this cover, and I can just buy it for the cover price. Absolutely. But, no, nah, that's just me. <laughs> I, I, well, I tell you what, man. I've, uh, of course, I've, I'm collecting all the different Guardians. Guardians 3000. Uh, I got the, some of the original vintage Guardians from like in the 90s. So, are you are you collecting the Guardians of Infinity? Uh, I have some of those. I have Guardians 3000, Guardians of Nowhere, the Bendis. The uh, Bendis run. I've got Rocket. I've got Groot. I actually got met him. Bendis? Yeah, I actually met Bendis, man. Have you ever read his comic, his graphic novel about his experience? Uh, not, uh, no, not really. Well, I, I read, the funny thing I mean meeting Bendis is this. Mark Bagley is a friend of mine, and uh, Mark is an artist. Um, He's drawn, drawn uh, Ultimate Spider-Man with Bendis. Like I was saying, they they did Ultimate Spider-Man for 100 plus issues. That was unheard of because the last... Um, group, I'm a glass team did that with Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. They're on a book constantly coming out each month, right, each right, year, right, right. 100 plus. So how many how many years is that? Uh, man, shoot, a comic book comes out once Probably a month. Four four years. Yeah, four or five years. Yeah, yeah, man. So I mean, it was amazing, man. But um, Bendis run, now Bendis right now, he is Marvel. He's writing everything for mm-hmm. Marvel mm-hmm. now. Guardians, Iron Man. <laughs> He did um, Daredevil. Now he's doing Jessica Jones. It's, it's, it's on mm-hmm. and on. And he mm-hmm. got a show called Powers. He does? Yes. Check it out. It's a, it's a podcast? Or it's a no, show? Powers is a uh, a TV series that he got. It's based off of Bendis' Bendis's, um, comic book. And where, where where is it airing? And when it's, it's already aired, it's in season two. I mean, but where? Where? where uh, they did the taping in Atlanta. I mean, Netflix or what? No, it's on, um, it's on the Sony Network. Okay. It's only only on Sony Network, unless gotcha. you want to buy the Blu-ray or DVD. Gotcha. But I think he filmed most of it in Atlanta. Okay. Once again, <laughs> is, is he is he based in Atlanta? No, he's in um, he's in the West Coast. Okay. Yeah, I think he's in Washington State, Washington State, okay. Okay. Seattle, something like that. Northwest, yeah. Yeah. So he makes a trip here, consult mm-hmm. and see what how everything going on. Right. But yeah, but Ben's run on Guardians is pretty good. Uh, Guardians of Nowhere. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. Um, Guardian team ups. Guardian also, team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had a team up with Deadpool and Rocket Raccoon. That was uh-huh. funny. You okay. should check that one out. I, I think I might have it. Yeah, it's, yeah the, the yeah. Guardian team up was not long. It was a pretty short um, series they did. Right. But you know, the Guardian was teaming up with everybody in Marvel comics. You know, my thing is that I was doing. You know, how I started buying uh, comic books recently was doing research. Right. For the you know for the project and the character. And so then as I started uh, actually reading them and then reading other ones, you know, like I think I got Deadpool with the with the black exploitation episode. Oh, yeah, with Luke Cage <coughs> and Iron Fist. And, and is that is that a variant? No, that's a regular cover, I believe. Okay. That's a regular cover. And then I got, yeah, yeah. And so, man, um, I, I, you know, I, I, at a late age, I got, because like I said, man, when I was younger, I was always out playing ball. Right, you know, playing football, playing basketball, baseball, whatever. See, to me, is that right now, comic books right now is at a, at a point 
Uh, there's nice storytelling, mm-hmm. and that's why Hollywood so much now using some of their source material. Exactly. And uh, Marvel Studios have done pretty pretty good job of using some of the source material. They haven't got away from it, something, but mm-hmm. they added more stuff to it. Right. And I right. think with Guardian of the Galaxy, you know, the first movie was so damn good, man. Right. And they, they kept some of the they kept the characters from the comic book. But they they used the source material, but at the same time they added a little thing to it. It, it was like the perfect um, mix of the source material and then bringing it into a new generation. Yeah, and the thing is, when I was reading the um, the story of Jason, um, I mean uh, Star Lord, I'm sorry, Star Lord Father, mm-hmm. I like, huh? This ego, the living planet. I like, huh? I'm like, really? But I know James Gunn got a twist to it somewhere. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. so I mean, the living planet, like, okay. And not Jason that's in the comic book, but it's Ego, the living planet. Right, right, yeah. So, so he's flick, He's kind of, yeah, yeah, he's doing yeah. his thing. And but with James Gunn, it's probably to a twist to it. You know, I'm not right. really like, okay. Right, It's right. in good hands with James, man. Absolutely. No, man, he, he's a very competent storyteller, you know. And so that's all you can ask for. And everyone from, you know, you know, like I said, he and Rooker have worked on several projects, but Rooker's right there. You know, there's no disrespect or like, oh, man, whatever, you're my friend. He's like, you know, and he makes you feel like a collaborator, a co-collaborator. And, um, yeah, man, that's that's what the best directors do. Because I know when um, James was done with the wrapping up the um, the movie, he did a Facebook Live mm-hmm. feed, and, and he had and he Chris Pratt wrap it up, wrap it up. Yeah, yeah like, that was kind of cool, man. That's another thing, too, man. James is probably one of the most social media savvy directors and, and, and especially with this, you know, this material, man, it's the perfect marriage, that personality, that passion. And, and that, you know, I mean, he was, he was, um, tweeting and, and, uh, Instagram and the whole while we're shooting. Yeah. I, I follow him on Instagram. Yeah. yeah I remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and so it was a trip. It was killing us, man, because we, you know, they told us, "Hey, <laughs> y'all can't do it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, you know, what they told us, like you know, like the guys, some of the stuntmen who had worked on uh, previous Marvel projects, they said, you know, we they were taking a whole bunch of pictures. So I said, "Hey, man, I thought they said we couldn't." Say, no, you can take pictures, you just can't release them on social media. Anymore. Yeah, that's the difference. So I said, "Okay." So he said, "What I do is I take all these pictures, and then the day the movie hits, every day, you know, I release a different photo behind the scenes." Right. And so I was like, oh, okay. So then when we came in, you know, when we went to the rehearsal before the uh, Hall H deal, you know, they said, look, man, you can take pictures, but do not release any of them until after set. So we, so we were excited. Like, oh, we can, they say only, you can only release stuff from Comic-Con, nothing offset. Right. So we was like, man, that's cool. Because part of you want to be like, hey, man, I'm in this. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. look, look, yeah, look at me. I, I seen it like, I saw on a YouTube video when it was announcing Captain right. Marvel. Right. And I think one of my friends sent me a link. He said, yo, is this your, this your friend? And I had to look again. I'm looking. I'm like, yo, it's Terrence. Right. I'm like, okay, that's cool, man. Because it had everybody on that stage, man. The, the fanboy, I mean, like, man, this is awesome. It was, bro. I mean, it you was. have different movies, uh, each person from different movie on that it, stage. I mean, bro, you had Chewy Tell Edge of Four. You had Cumberbatch, Tilda Swinton, Dude, like Kurt you, Russell. Like you said, they had, like, Oscar Golden Globe winners. Yeah, on there you had Emmy, talent. Emmy, you had Tony, talented people on that Tony stage. Tony nominee. Yeah, man. I mean, it was and it was a it was a trip because I was probably the out of everybody on that stage, man. I probably like the second or third from lowest on the totem pole. Right. Maybe somebody one of the little kids from Spider Man who they pulled from Atlanta or something. Was yeah. Under me, but, <laughs> and but, I forgot about Spider Man. The kids they yeah, had on there. Yeah, man. yeah, man. So you know, it's it, it's cool, man, and um, it, it really was a blessing. I'm, I'm blessed. I love my job, man. I, I need a little break just to kind of, you know, uh, strategize and get ready and, and um, you know, just take a break and, and regroup and refuel and then go back out and hit it like this never happened. Right. Because it was the afterglow on it, man. It was like all of us, man. You you know, it's like we were cool during shooting, you know, all of the ravages. But after this Comic-Con, we, we came. As a matter of fact, even before we started doing, you know, when we came back to hang out for Comic-Con, everybody was like, most of these guys I hadn't seen without their makeup. Oh, really? So guys was like, yo, what's up, man? And I'm looking at them, and I'm like, hey, man, I didn't recognize them. And so then, we, we, you know, uh, it dawns on me as they get, I said, oh, dude, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> so all the guys who had full prosthetics, right. we hear their voices, man, we hanging out with them. They were our guys. And I, 
you know, like say if I got a six o'clock call time with somebody who's getting four hours of makeup, they got like a two thirty a.m. call time. Right. So I don't get to see them outside right. of their deal, man. So the first time I saw some of these guys who I worked with for three months outside of their makeup was at Comic Con, you know, at the uh, in the hotel, man. Really? Before, yeah. And so I'm like, who? Dude, like Taser Face. I'd never seen him without his makeup. <laughs> he was my boss. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Man, I guess you get that a lot, man. You know, all the makeup and everything because you can't tell nobody. You can make up. I'm, I'm glad that I get to show my face, man. You know. Yeah, out of all the people with the prosthetic and stuff, yeah, you had the least. You and another guy. Dude. Yeah, yeah, I can't, yeah. Uh, can't think of his Evan, name. Evan, the guy who was in Jarhead. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, he's cool. Man, man, it's just the whole, you know, Steve Agee used to write for Conan, you know. A.G. is uh, Jeff, G-E-F. Right. Uh, he and Taserface were kind of going back and forth. You know, Craglin is from the first one. Right. He's James Gunn's brother. That's right. Sean. Sean, Sean. Sean exactly. Gunn, yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, man. So, you know, I'm, like I said, man, these cats have been in the world before. So, I'm just sitting in the gap and I'm just peeping them out and, and you know, just learning, man. And, That's and cool. That is cool. It's been fun. Yeah, man, because, you know, it's like I've done, like I said, I've been in the game 27 years. And so the biggest movie I ever worked on was Fast and Furious 4, but I was the, the lead uh, actor's assistant, Lucas Black, with Bow Wow. When they oh, Tokyo yeah, Drift. Tokyo Drift. Oh, the one I like to forget about. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I, that was the biggest movie I worked on scale-wise. And so uh, as an actor, Guardians is the first, was the biggest thing that I worked on as an actor. And um, it's, it's, you know, it's the same but different. Right. You know, meaning that the scale is bigger but you know everybody's just showing up uh, working hard long hours but when you have a cool crew when you have a family atmosphere it's uh, it's, it's not a thing that you're there 16 hours yeah cause that makes a big difference man when you have that camaraderie with the people you work with and you know it's not not like a job but it's a job at the same time you're having fun can, can, I think that's cool man can you imagine being somewhere 12, 14 hours with people you don't like every day out there that'd be miserable it would man and so you know like, like I said man every part of the crew the work, the wardrobe the hair makeup man they work so hard the special effects the, the props people the caterers craft services making sure we hydrated because we got all this stuff on. And yeah, because y'all was filming in the summer in Atlanta. No, Atlanta gets hot. It's called, it's get hot yeah, and, and, and to be honest with you, man, we, we were in, st- you know, we shot at Pinewood and we shot at the convention center. And so we never were outside. Um, but it, with all of that, you know, running, we had to do some running and, you know, doing stuff, man. And so they kept a bunch of uh, liquids to keep us hydrated. And they worked hard and they took it serious. Right. You know, and so I appreciate, you know, if I'm sitting, we coming from doing a scene, all I do is look up. Right. I don't even have to open my mouth. You know, I'm about to say, excuse me, can I get, I can't even get it out. Can I get some water out? Somebody's like, yeah, <laughs> you need some water? And um, and it's and they take it seriously, man, and you appreciate that. And so it's a, it's really a team. You know, we all doing this together. You know, after, uh, I know San Diego Comic Con is like a three-day event. Mm-hmm. So you got there Thursday. Right. Set up on Friday. Came out on Saturday. And, it and was it's out, out on Sunday. Sunday morning. So it has been no time on the floor whatsoever. No, man, we all of us, because soon as you know, when we first had our little meeting before we were going to rehearsal Friday night, we was like, yo, man, we're going to get some passes? Or, right, right, right. Up? And so, you know, people from Disney like, well, you know, we're going to try to see if we could do But it was it was tight. Right. And and the way our travel was, it was like, the only time, you know, I think a couple of guys drove themselves out uh, from L.A. to San Diego. Right. So the only time they would have had was Sunday. Sunday to go out Sunday, on the floor. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they can drive up back to L.A., whatever. But I had a car, you know, I had a driver pick me up at like 5.45 in the morning. Wow. From the hotel, you know, for like a, maybe an 8 o'clock flight or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, Sunday was out. Thursday actually was the day that it would have been a great day for me to uh, to go. But I was just trying to get situated and, and was getting all my itinerary for where I had to be. Right. And also have a family. Uh, so I hunt, you know went to dinner with my with my yeah uh, I saw the picture on Facebook yeah 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 so um, so yeah man so it was a working trip you know and um, I, what I've learned is when I go out again for you know if I'm fortunate enough to be in another project or if it's for this one when it happens again um, I am gonna make time within the official itinerary to actually go on the floor because right. I met a lot of great people I, I met a guy on a plane who's good friends with the Chuck Jones family. Um, I met some guy, I met a, a brother that does a series of uh, graphic novels who was staying in my hotel. 
I, you know, I met all kind of cool people. And so even though I didn't get to get on the floor, I, you know, we're still kind of emailing and texting each other and sending each other's pictures and stuff. So Yeah, because I have a couple of friends that mean to um, San Diego Comic Con that's um, artists. I went to Artist Alley and stuff like that because I'm going to try to make it one year, man. My, I think my goal is to try to make it next year, mm-hmm. you know, for, um, for my birthday, the year of my birthday and whatever. Um, but I really want to go. I have family in San Diego also. Oh, there you go. You know, so, I mean, I have to give them a call, set things up and whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's one of my goals, and that's one of my bucket lists of things to do. What, what, how much it costs to get in, you know? I don't, I have no idea. I got to do some research. Do you have to buy all three-day pass, or can you buy one-day pass? Yeah, I, I usually buy three days because it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. one day, they probably charge you more. Have you ever heard of Onyx Con? Never heard of it. It's in Atlanta. It's like a black African-American. Yo, yes, I have. One of my uh, co-workers gave me a um, brochure. Not a brochure. Yeah, like a a, a flyer. Yeah, yeah. They a gave flyer, yeah. He gave me a flyer. So, so you've never been? i never been that one. I think the next con I might be going to, I, I might, I'm thinking about going to, is one in Tampa Bay called Megacon. Okay. Now, uh, what's that? Megacon. It's, Megacon is also in Orlando. Megacon have people like um, William Shatner showing up, people from Doctor Who, David mm-hmm. Tennant, mm-hmm. you know, and they have artists from comic books and stuff like that. Recently, I went to Fan Expo. And what was that? Fan Expo was pretty good. It's in Knoxville. Okay. You had um, celebrities. You had like William Shatner. Um, you had the guy who played Flash Gordon, Sam J. Jones. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool, man. Way back, I, I really, from way back in the way days. back in the day, man. Just the other day, other week, man, I was watching Flash Gordon, man. Mm-hmm. I love that soundtrack. Right, right, right. And, you know, Fan Expo was pretty cool. It was something new for me. I mm-hmm. only went for one day. It's a three-day event. You know, I went to um, see my friend. He also an artist. Uh, and I was checking out his booth. You know, I just try to go to different cons, get different right, right, experience. Right. You know what I'm saying? So maybe one day I, I could be one of those people going to those cons, you know, as a, as a writer or something like that. I'll tell you what else I, I read, too, man. You know, you asked me what I'm into. I, I just finished reading ep, uh, episode one. Issue one of Raising Dion. Now you sent me a link. I haven't got a chance to read it yet. Read the whole um, article on that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's an Asian cat man, and he basically the story is this single black woman is raising an eight year old kid who has superpowers because his father, um, you know, had some kind of uh, incident where he had his uh, DNA genetically, uh, you know, um, altered or whatever. So that's something I've never seen. Raising Dion, yeah, yep, and so, uh, so yeah, man, I, I love, you know, I wrote the, um, a friend of mine is, uh, she's on the writing staff, I can't say a lot about it, right, but um, it's, it's going to be a Netflix show. Yeah, I think you mentioned that to me last time we had an interview. Yeah, and they're, they're about, you know, they're, they're still kind of writing on it, but um, just the one issue that they released. Uh, what, what, what? Check this out. You ever thought about doing a graphic novel? Because you've written scripts before. Absolutely. I got this thing called Callie Slim, man, about this female, African-American female. And she was, um, her boyfriend was like a gangbanger on the West Coast. And they were um, kind of hooked up with the cartels. And so some stuff happens. Right. So she ends up having the cartel, her boyfriend's gang members, and then also the United States government after her because... She got away with a. She stole. She's her specialty. Is she's a driver. She used to be the driver on hit jobs and robberies and stuff. And so um, she steals a eighteen wheeler with almost a billion dollars cash that was going to Afghanistan. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, exactly. And so um, it's called Cali Slim, and we actually we we initially wrote it. We were going to do it as a web series, which I, I still think I'm going to do. And then um, I, I started writing a feature, which I'm still writing. And then um, I've, I've been kind of, you know, like, again, man, the Guardian thing, you know, hopefully that'll, you know, when you walk into people's office and you got that on your resume, it's a lot easier to do stuff. Right. And so my thing is just, like I said, man, just keep writing. And so when stuff hits, you know, we'll see what the environment is and um, see if I can get some play. But that's that's the thing that I, I'm really excited about. And, and even I was attached to produce this uh it's a, it was a play called Riding Haley's Comic, com, Comet. Riding Haley's Comet, uh-huh. written by uh, two young ladies out of New Orleans about mental illness. Oh, okay. And so they uh, they wanted to do a web series, and then I even suggested that, hey, man, y'all might even 
could put this in a graphic novel. So it's not superhero or anything. Right. But, but you got to understand with this graphic novels and comics, man, you got so many different things you can read these days. Right. Everything is not superheroes. Everything, it could be supernatural. It's horror. Exactly. Drama, crime. So you got different things for comic books these days. Absolutely, man. And so, so yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm digging. Like I said, man, I am 52 years old, and I've just gotten into the oh. whole comic world. I'll tell you what else I'm reading, Black Panther. <laughs> I, I just started reading the the, uh, the new Black Panther. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I picked it up, too. Issue 3. Yeah, that was me trying to go after that fly that's it's, been... Um, yeah, we got a fly here, guys. It's really killing me, man. Oh man, he must be ghetto too, man. Yeah, he is. <laughs> it's killing me, man. It's fly. But um, yeah, um, Black Panther. You just pick up issue four today. Yeah. Okay, I haven't read yeah. it yet. Yeah. But uh, any recommendation I would give you is um, right now, some of the independent stuff mm-hmm. outside of Marvel and DC. I recommend reading Lazarus. Mm-hmm. It's written by Greg Rucker. Okay. It's really good, okay. man. And also. I like to look at um, Scotty Young. He's an artist. It's another book. It's some like I hate Fairyland. Mm-hmm. It's a different take on the fairy tale stuff. Okay, I hate it's, it's comical, man. It's very comical. Uh, kind of almost like uh, some Rocket Deadpool type stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very yeah, comical, yeah. I man. Love, no, I love that, man. So I mean, it's a different thing that you can read, and that's the kind of the recommendation I could give you. See, man. see, like I said, man, coming up, I I was dealing with um, you know, mad and cracked. Right, which was you know very you know just kind of cheeky and and funny. Uh, I met a brother named Orlando Harding mm-hmm. at Comic Con, and he has a um, he has one take on Little Red Riding Hood. Basically, the wolf um, goes to like uh, some some DNA DNA company and finds uh, Little Red Riding Hood's uh, great great granddaughter. And so he's stalking her to get back at for what she did, right? <laughs> and, and it's and I mean um, I don't I don't think I have the uh, he's actually mailing it to me, so it's probably back home in New Orleans, right? But Orlando Harding, man, he, and then he got another one. I forgot the name of it, but the artwork, you know, it, it's the real deal. It, you know, just looking at the artwork and the premise that he gave me, right? Uh, I think it's the uh, website is nightstalker.com or something like that. But um, going on his website and just looking at the. Uh, the covers of the two graphic novels that he had, I was like, man, I can't wait to read them, you know, because the premise and it, it looks, you know, it looks and talks and smells like the real deal. Right. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm, good. I'm glad you're on board with the comic books and graphic novels, man. I know it's, you know, he's turning 52, but it's never too late. Absolutely. And, you know, it's never too late. And I work with kids, man. So what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to start um, get my kids to create, you know, some graphic novels and stuff. That's a good thing. Maybe you do something like that and bring out the talent. And not yeah. only that, man, it gives an appreciation for the written word. That's right. Um, I a lot, of, you know. I say I'm I'm teaching screenwriting and filmmaking, but what I'm really trying to teach is an appreciation for the written word, right? And also reading skills. A lot of kids have been told that they can't read or they don't read well, and so they have a con, you know a complex about doing it. So when I if I bring in like a Alvin and the Chipmunks script or any script that I get from either projects I've worked on or I have access to and I put it up on the you know on the board and these kids start start reading it uh they don't care how bad they read they want to be a part of this world right and um I use popular culture to teach these kids story structure so I'll say you know what's your favorite movie if they say Finding Dory I'll say well who's the lead character and who's the the bad person and what's the problem? And I teach them the three-act structure, beginning, middle, end. Right. And so I said the beginning sets it up, the middle is the problem, and the end is solved. And so I'll start naming out different. I'll tell them, what's your favorite movie? They'll tell me. i say, who's the hero? Who's the villain? What was the problem? How'd the problem get solved? Where was it set? Blah, blah, blah. So they, now they're starting to get it, you know. And, and again, man, I, I just think that storytelling is, is the... Uh, all pop culture, you know, America, our biggest import is pop culture. Right. And all of it is storytelling. Yeah. You know, whether it's hip-hop, whether it's fashion, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, commercials, movies, you know. Yeah, I'm kind of glad you said about the kids. And I was in my local comic book shop one day, just buying one of buying my books. And I see a kid, I say, I know this kid. And all of a sudden, I called his name. And I said, "How you doing? I'm doing so. I'm doing good, um, Mister Mister So and So. I'm not gonna say my last name." Mm-hmm. Um, I said, "What you been up to?" Well, I'm just here getting comments. I said, "Really? 
Yeah, you know what? The comic books you gave me, I still got them in the plastic, you know, mm-hmm. the back backboard. Really? I said, yeah, Mr. So and So. Hold on, man. What kind of intrigue you got with the CIA or something? Nah, I'm just you know. So anyway, it was kind of kind of cool, man. It's very it was special to me. Absolutely. You know that a kid that I taught, right? You know he kept something that I gave him, and he's continuing on doing it. That's that's beautiful, brother. And because uh, you know, that means he he's not all putting guns in people's faces. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I I was it, it brought you know I was feel all warm inside. You know what I'm absolutely, saying? Absolutely. It was something that I touched this kid life. It's funny that you say that, bro, because you know the biggest thing for me being associated with Marvel and Guardians is not so much. Um, you know, of course, you know, hopefully. There'll be great things for me and my family to come out of it, but now I have a platform, right? And so, just because I'm associated with that, people will invite me places, and I'll be able to talk to kids. And what I do is, whenever I go to comic book shops, whatever free things that I can get, you know, like a lot of times they'll have like the like the samples and mm-hmm, stuff, yeah. free, little free issue sample. I get those things and I give it to the kids, and they love it, man. And they open it right then and there, and they start reading. I love seeing kids reading, mm-hmm. you know. And, I, and also another thing I do too, man, a lot of times when I would be teaching filmmaking and I had kids who really weren't interested in filmmaking or acting, but they wanted to be in my class because they liked the vibe. So I would buy out my own pocket art supplies and I let them draw, man. And I got tons and stacks of artwork from kids. And we, you know, we don't, um, we don't have, um, we don't have arts in the schools like we had when we were coming up. Right. And so, uh, you know, whatever little thing I can do, man, to just make the... I, I think without art, you have an empty culture or an empty world. And and we, we've been moving away from, you know, that as, as a society in, in America. So I, I want to... Anything I can do to promote people reading and telling stories and writing stories and painting stories, you know, whatever form they want to tell a story. So after you finish Guardians right now, so what's the next project now? Um, just writing, writing Cali Slim and some of these other things. I got, I got a couple of projects that's finished, and so we kind of shopping. I was had a meeting earlier today. That's why I was kind of late with you. So, I purposely. Oh yeah, man. Just go to your meeting. We got Amos, man. I don't think about Amos. <laughs> no, go no, do no. your do your I, thing, man. I, I, I didn't realize how far you know I was away from where I needed to be. You know, man. It's Atlanta, dude. I know. I do. It's, yeah. And I, and I map, you know, at home, I was like, okay, I'm looking down the map. Okay, I can do that and be here at this time. But uh, Oh, no, no, no. You got to gotta factor in construction right. and just people driving. Exactly. Well, that was the biggest problem, people driving. I had some crazy stuff holding, you know, they had people just not scared to make right turns, you know. And, and and some of these, I guess what it is, man, Atlanta's growing so fast that we, we could, where a stop sign could work, you know, you now you need a traffic light on. That's right. Or something. So I see that a lot. But uh, but no man, it's it's great. I, I um, it, you know I'm what I'm what I'm going to be doing now. I'm still auditioning for stuff. I got I got a couple of auditions, some things I can't talk about that's pretty big. And if they come through, then I'll call you, because they're also uh, on this level of uh, of deal. But um, I uh, I, I just want to the last couple of weeks since I've uh, wrapped this movie Plaquemines, I've been doing a lot of writing and reading. Basically, what I've been doing is. Going through stuff that I've already written and taking inventory, seeing where's this at, where you know, do a little revision on your stuff. Not even revision. I'm just reread because, like I said, man, I got about seven. I got about I got about ten scripts, and I got about four of them that are finished, right? That I've written or co-written, and then I have three or four that other people have written and they're finished. And I hadn't, you know, I put them down because for the last two or three years I've been going hard with the acting, right? And so now that I had some time. And I and, and I said, man, I'm gonna just kind of read everything just to be back up to speed. Because as a producer, you can work on four or five or six projects, right? Right. As an, right. As, you know, as an actor, you can kind of do that. As a director, you're working on one deal, right? Right. Right. And so, uh, so yeah, man. So I just just kind of refreshing and saying, okay, this needs a rewrite. Um, this needs to be revamped. Uh, this is trash, and I ain't feeling it, or it's not relevant no more. You know. So just basically taking inventory, but that's that's where I really want to go into to writing and producing, and 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 uh, you know looking to collaborate with other talented artists who, uh, who who've got some things going on now behind the scenes. Absolutely, that's cool, if, Terrence. If I, if I could do them all, man, I, you know that'd be the perfect world. All right, guys, we're just gonna wrap it up with Terrence. Always, it was a great pleasure to have you with me again. On my podcast, Terrence. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this. Yeah, always a pleasure, dude. Always a pleasure. So how can people um, get you on your social media? 
How uh, can you? Uh, my name Terrence Rosemore. T e r e n c e r o s e m o r e on Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. That's pretty much what I do. And so yeah, those those three. All right, everyone. This is um, Amos of Just Being Amos. Um, my social media outlets are on Twitter, Just Being Amos, Instagram, and Just Being Amos, and also um, a Facebook page, Just Being Amos. I hope y'all guys enjoy this podcast. Peace. Just being in this.